man, it is so good to see you guys here. Thank you so much for showing up to New Life Church. Come on, would you just look across the auditorium, whether you're here, you're in North Platte, you're in Ogallala, you're sitting on your living room, you know, couch or whatever, look across the room, find somebody, make eye contact with them, and tell them, I'm glad you're here, all right? Just say that. Just from a distance. It's from a distance. It's social distancing. Social distancing. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. You don't even have to even know them, right? It's just fun to have an opportunity to get back together again. So how many guys are excited to be at New Life Church to worship Jesus today? Come on. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I love it. I want to say, uh, you know, welcome to everybody that is uh, with us today. We are one church, normally in multiple locations. Uh, there are three campuses that we broadcast to live. And, uh, but today we're one church in hundreds of locations with people gathering with us from around the state, around the nation, and even internationally. And I want to say thank you for joining us. If you are using any of what we produce here in sermon and uh, worship uh, to run any kind of uh, ministry out of your own home. Uh, we would love to know about it because we would love to sponsor that. We'd love to get behind you. We'd love to help you become all that God wants you to be. So please email us here at New Life Church and let us know. Hey, we're going through the book of Daniel. Uh, we're only going through chapter six. We're in week five. That means next week we'll be tackling chapter six. It's not the deepest dive in the world on a particular uh, Bible book, uh, but, it, but it is a practical dive. Okay, and I feel like if we're going to err in one place or another on a Sunday morning, we should err on a practical dive. Meaning that when we open up scripture, we should all be able to walk away with some kind of practical application point that we can start implementing immediately. How many of you guys have ever been to church and you, you get done listening to the sermon, going through the worship, and you're like, I don't even remember what anything was said, you know? Like, I don't even know what to do with that. And it's ha it happens all the time. Now look... It's, it's not because pastors, you know, intentionally want to be that, okay? It's just that sometimes, sometimes we lose perspective of the fact that what does it look like to walk this out? Uh, I love studying God's Word, but in the end, if God's Word doesn't change my life, what good is God's Word? So we want God's Word to change your life here at New Life Church. I want to help you make that happen today, Okay. So focus in with me, dial in with me. If you got your phone with you, uh, please open up the app U version. I've got some sermon notes that are there. You can save those. You can take them home with you. Uh, that's a super easy thing to do. Look for New Life Church, okay? Uh, look, as we dive into chapter 5, let's just start out with this. Have you guys ever had something that was brand new, okay? A shirt, carpet, a car, something like that. Something that was brand new that got stained. Let me see a hand. If you had something that was brand new that got stained. How many of you guys were super happy about that? I freak out about it. Does anybody else freak out about that? Like, what in the world? What are we going to do? Those thousands of dollars worth of carpet and the grandchildren spilled Kool-Aid all over it. What are we going to do? Like, I freak out, guys. I'm just being open and honest with you. All right? It's in the new car, right? And, okay, it's the first time we're going to have food in the car. And sure enough, it goes everywhere. I freak out. I don't know what it is. I, I just go over the top on that kind of stuff. My wife, on the other hand, is calm, cool, and collected. That's why we're better together. She tells me exactly what we need to do, and I'm working on it. And as I start working the stain out, I'm like, it's not working. It's not working. She's like, this, patience, patience, squirt, squirt. And I'm just going, oh, okay, maybe it is working. And then pretty soon, you know that feeling when all of a sudden you can't see the stain anymore? Isn't that a good feeling? It's like life can go back to normal again. 
You know, that's what Jesus does for your life. The stain is your sin. And only he has the authority and the power to blot it out. In fact, this is what God's word says about himself. Isaiah 43, 25. It says, I, yes, I alone will blot out. Come on, say blot out. I alone will blot out your sins for my own sake and will never think of them again. I'll blot them out. It's kind of like blotting something out, like you're going to remove the stain out of it. But do you, do you really truly know what the word blot means? Take a look at what it says in the dictionary. It says to obliterate. Someone say obliterate. Obliterate, right? Or disregard something painful in one's memory or existence. Obliterate. When have you ever used the word obliterate in a sentence? You would use it maybe like if you're referring to war and a bomb dropped on a city and it obliterated it. Meaning this, the word obliterate means to, you know, destroy utterly, like to destroy it in such a way that actually the definition of the word takes it to the imagery of it was destroyed in a way that it became invisible. Invisible. So now, so now listen to what God's saying about himself. He's saying this, I, I alone, I will obliterate your sin. I will obliterate it. I will destroy it in such a way that it becomes invisible. That's God. That's a pretty cool picture of how God, through grace, through the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ on the cross, Ascension to heaven and sit at the right hand of the Father, only he can obliterate sin. That's good news, by the way. And that's what God does to your sin. Now, it's much harder for you to do that to your sin, isn't it? Like, man, I wish, God, you would obliterate my sin right out of my mind. And I get it. Like, we have a memory, and the enemy loves, he's a mastermind of manipulating your memory, and he wants to bring back into the forefront of you right now as you're sitting here at New Life Church, as you're watching online at one of our campuses. He wants to remind you of all the failures of your past as you try to move in and get closer to God. We have a part to play in watching and playing out the obliteration of our sin. And in Acts chapter 3, verse 19, it says this. It says, look, <clears throat> here's your part to play. Now repent of your sins and turn to God. So that your sins may be wiped away. The word wiped away in, in many other um, versions of the Bible is blotted away. So again, the scripture is saying this. Now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins might be obliterated. So what is our, what is our, what's our part that we have to play? There's two things that were right there. First off, look, if you want the sin of your past to be obliterated in such a way that, yeah, maybe you'll never forget it, but you don't have to dwell on it. It can be, it can be pushed to the background, right? And in, the, and in the forefront of your eyes, you start to see, you know, who you are in Christ. There's two things it says right there. First, it says repent. Repent, we talked about a couple of weeks. I'm going to drive it home one more time, very simply though. It means this, to turn 180 degrees, that's what it means. It's not just, oh, I'm sorry, and I'm going to keep doing something, right, and make a little deviation in my path. It's a, wow, I recognize I've broken your, your law, God. I'm turning 180 degrees. I'm heading the opposite direction. That's number one. Number two, though, is the part I think that we struggle with the most, and that is turn, turn to God. Have you ever offended someone in such a way that 
it always made your relationship with them a little awkward from that moment on? Sure you have. We've all had those. <clears throat> right? And the reason is this, because you can't forget and you can't kind of undo mentally what was said or what was done. The other person's probably beyond it. They've probably let it go, but you were the one who can't let it go, and it keeps affecting the relationship. This is what happens with our sin. Jesus goes, look, I and I alone will obliterate your sin. I don't remember it anymore. It's gone. It's completely gone. But guys, what keeps us from truly turning back to God so that we can be free of the sin of our past and the failures of our future is that we're not turning back to God. We're not pushing in. We're not getting past the shame and the guilt and pressing into God and seeing ourselves the way that he sees us. And therefore, we let the enemy keep lying to us and say these words to us. You'll never have a testimony for God that ever makes a difference for anybody else. Your testimony for God is never going to make an impact on your children, your grandchildren. Your testimony for God is not going to look anything like biblical characters or like maybe like a pastor you think would look or anyone else. Like you, you, there's no way you can ever do that. In fact, don't even dream that way because if you dream that way, it's arrogant and it's prideful. And that's what the enemy loves to do. And he kind of creates this idea of this impossible testimony. How could you ever have a testimony that anybody would ever want to hear about how God did something radically good in your life and you're living it out. But the truth is this, Jesus wants that for your life. And so he says this, look, if you repent and you turn back to me, that was verse 19, chapter 3 in the book of Acts. He says this in verse 20 right after it. He says, if you do repent and you turn back to me, the times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord And he will again send you Jesus. Some of us, we need need to get turned back to God because what we're missing right now is the presence of the Lord in our life. We're going through the motions. We're, We're doing the right thing. You're all here today. But we're missing out on one of the real gifts of a relationship with Christ. If we don't turn back, okay, if we repent but there is no turning back, a getting, meaning getting close to God again. You're missing out on the very fuel of your relationship with God. You'll only have head knowledge and you will lack the heart passion. And it's when, it's when we get beyond the head knowledge of the heart passion that it's now possible for God to give us a spiritual testimony that your children will want to follow and your grandchildren will want to follow. Today, I want to talk to you about what it looks like for you to leave a Christ-centered legacy. What would that look like? What would it look like for people to know you as not just a good person, okay, like fathers for a second, it's Father's Day, not just a good father, but a Christ-centered father? It's a big difference between those two, by the way. What would it look like for you to live your life that way? This is where we find Daniel in Daniel chapter 5. King Nebuchadnezzar's died. His grandson, King Belshazzar, is now in charge. He's forgotten all the spiritual lessons that King Nebuchadnezzar had, you know, learned. King Nebuchadnezzar ends his life. He's a a wicked man, a wicked king that just does wicked things. The most wicked empire that humanity had ever seen at that time. Okay? But he ends his life a man surrendered to the one true living God. His grandson has forgot all those lessons. His grandson likes to throw a lot of parties with a lot of drinking and a lot of mayhem. And in one of these parties, after they've had quite a bit to drink, they decide to do something that is completely 
off the charts. They said, look, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go get the gold goblets that we stole from Jerusalem from the temple of God, and we're going to drink the rest of the wine out of those. Let me just tell you this. You never make your wisest decisions underneath the influence of alcohol. And as soon as they do this, as soon as they do this, this is the chapter where you see this. You see this description happening. God, his hand coming into the building and writing on the wall this inscription that nobody can interpret at that moment. It freaks them out. Can you imagine that? You've had quite a bit to drink. Now you're doing something foolish. And you, you, you just, just think of it. You're at a party. Everyone's had a lot to drink. And one guy says this. Hey, you guys see that handwriting on the wall? People are like, you're nuts, dude. Just put the wine down and go home. Right? And then they turn around and they see the, the handwriting on the wall. And then everybody's freaking out. It actually happened. And they're freaking out. At that very moment, Daniel chapter 5, verse 10. Here's what happens. Think with me about leaving a spiritual legacy. But when the queen mother heard what was happening... She hurried to the banquet hall. She said to Belshazzar, long live the king. Don't be so pale and frightened. Like, why are you full of anxiety? There's a man in your kingdom who has within him the spirit of the holy gods. During Nebuchadnezzar's reign, the man was found to have insight, understanding, and wisdom like that of the gods. Your predecessor, the king, your predecessor, King Nebuchadnezzar, he made him chief over all the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and fortune tellers of Babylon. This man, Daniel, who the king named Belteshazzar, has exceptional abilities and is filled with divine knowledge and understanding. He can interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve difficult problems. Call for Daniel, and he'll tell you what the writing means. Now, Daniel's like 80, 85 years old in life now. He's not in any position of leadership. The king doesn't even know that he lives in the city. But the mom does. Why? Because Daniel has left behind a great spiritual legacy. People know him as a man of God. They know him as a faithful man of God. They know him as a devout man of God. They know him as a man who is willing to die for the faith that he has in the one true living God. He's left an impact on many, many people. In fact, he's left an impact on us because here we are over 2,000 years now and we're still talking about him. So, obviously, the man left a spiritual legacy. I think the kind of legacy that you and me want to leave. So he looks at the wall and he goes, yeah, I know what, I know what it says on that wall. But you're not going to like it. It says this, your days are numbered. Your kingdom is done. And that night, the Bible says that King Belshazzar was killed. And the next day, a new kingdom, Middle Persian Empire, it rose up. The Medes and the Persians reigning and ruling. Just like prophecy had, uh, had come, I think, in Daniel chapter 2. So the writing on the wall is something impossible for man to completely understand, and it's only done by a God who is all-powerful. But today I want to talk to you about something else that I think man thinks is impossible, and that is to have a testimony like a guy like Daniel. What would it look like for you to have that kind of testimony? I want to help you discover that today. What, what, would, uh, what would it look like to remain faithful in your walk for Christ all the way to the end of your days. 
You know, how would you overcome the past of your failures and the future failures that are going to come that are going to keep you from trying to have that testimony? How do you overcome all of that? And how do you leave a legacy of a Christ-centered testimony that your children and your grandchildren are going to want to follow? I think that you, you care about that, and I think you're going to want to dig into that. And so to help us really discover it, I have some friends in this church that I believe are modern-day individuals like Daniel who have lived out their faith in such a way that I want to follow it. I want to follow their faith. I want to follow their kind of example. And I thought, let's get people like that up on this stage, and let's talk to them about what does it look like to live out this impossible testimony, this, this testimony that it stays faithful, remains faithful for God, and only increases in its intensity and passion for Jesus as we live on this earth, right? What would that actually look like? So I would like for you to welcome with me to the stage Peggy Stacy, Monty Standage, and Pastor Bob Wine. Would you guys please uh, welcome them to the stage? All right, guys, have a seat. Turn your microphones on so we can hear all of your wisdom. Now, look, Daniel is such an old guy, so much older than you guys. You guys are like young bucks to him. Don't say it, Monty. I don't. Just let that wisdom work through you right now. Um, but, okay, in all fairness, in all fairness, just like Daniel, and we will all get there, you guys are in that final, like, season, that final, um, you know, leg of the race. And we're all going to get there one of these days. Uh, and what we're talking about with this spiritual legacy, and we're highly interested in you helping us define this. So from, you know, your years of living for Christ faithfully, and that's the reason why you're up on this, this stage, uh, and being friends for over two decades with all of you, which has been such an honor and a blessing to me, by the way, uh, and I thank you for taking time to be on this stage. What does, what is spiritual legacy? Just what is it? What does it look like? Define it for us in our modern day, okay? What does that really look like? How, how, would, you, how would you define it? Just put some skin on it. Skin? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Whatever word you choose, Bob. <laughs> I think I see a legacy is something like an echo, you know, when you're on a mountain and, you're, and it bounces back to you. It's like an echo or a shadow that keeps on speaking thousands of years later even, in, in the case of Daniel. Yeah. It just keeps on uh, I think of Abel, it talks about that in, in, in Hebrews, where it talked about his faith is still speaking. Uh, so yeah. that's really what a legacy is. It just keeps on speaking. Yeah, and, you know, we were in the green room, and you had reminded me that, you know, the Christmas story that we read about and the wise men who came from the East, uh, we know from, you know, archaeology and from biblical history that the wisdom that they were operating underneath of looking for this Messiah to come was a part of the legacy of even Daniel. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So that's that kind of shadow you're it talking It just about. kept on, and he was long gone. Yeah, yeah. That's like 600 years later. Yeah, yeah. And, and our lives can be the same. Not because of us, but because of what he's doing and the same thing through Daniel with us. It's awesome. Anything else you guys would add just to help us understand? What, is it, what does spiritual legacy look like? Because if we're going to try to achieve it, we kind of need to know what is this really, what, how does it flesh out? 
you know, as I, I think about my life and what I may or may not have done, in, in my heart of hearts, what truly matters is what lasts beyond me. Yeah. What, what are those who are around me who have watched me are going to do when I'm not there to make any difference? Yeah. So if there's anything that's important in my life is that my children, my grandchildren, or those that follow me uh, would see Christ and the significance of his relationship in my life that would affect their lives. Right. That it outlives you. That it's, it outlives me. That it's like my grandfather that I reflect back on. And uh, he no longer can you know, speak to me here on this earth, but yet it, but it, his example is still speaking to me. Right. right. Uh, now, we, we're not, you guys don't all have to answer every question, but Peggy, I, I still would love, I think here at the beginning of this conversation, love to hear what you would have to say about what is spiritual legacy um, how, can, how can you define it? What does it really look like in a practical sense? Well, I guess I think of it as living, uh, a spiritual legacy is living a life based on your faith in Christ and, and not living it in such a way that, that those that are around us and that see us uh, and the things that we do all the time, that that would be an example and leave an impression upon them because the, the thing we want to do is to pass on to the next generation those things that God has developed in our lives and helped us to live out. And, and so if we can do that, we can, uh, like you have been sharing, that will go on and on and on and on to each generation. Yeah, yeah. So in light of that, we all agree that Daniel left a spiritual legacy that's still impacting us today, um, and we see it playing out in other portions of Scripture. So when we look, you guys have read Daniel probably many, many times at a much deeper level than what we're going through here on a Sunday. Uh, so just can, can you like give us one thing, uh, maybe one or two of you, give us one thing that we should be paying attention to out of Daniel's life that it has allowed him to create this spiritual legacy what's something in his life that you would point out that you would go you guys pay attention to this try to model this you try to model this it's going to assist you in being the man or woman that lives out a spiritual legacy i i think steadfast devotion to his god he didn't waver a bit yeah no matter what the price to be paid it was his calling to serve as God. Yeah. Speaks to me. I, I think about that when I go, I go back to, um, he had the opportunity to eat the finest of the finest foods. But instead, he goes, no, I'm not going to do that because I think those, that food has been offered to idols first. Uh, I'm going to stay pure. So just, get, just give us vegetables and water. That's, that's a practical example of drawing the line and going, you know, I'm not going to drift. I'm going to stay on point. That's a good example. Anything else? Well, I think maybe you could say that it, you've got to get a practice, a life of delayed gratification. Hmm. Because sometimes we'll respond to whatever's around us and the temptations and the peer pressure and whatever you want to call it. But when we can say, I have something greater inside of me, a conviction, a passion inside of me, uh, 
Who gives a rip what the other people think? It only really matters what God thinks, and if I'm doing it that way, it will leave a positive impact on people around me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, that, goes, that goes to that, you know, Paul statement in the New Testament where he goes, Look, I'm living my life with my eyes on the prize. Yep, 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 yep. And, um, you know, that prize, though, it isn't something that is found on this earth, though, right? Exactly. I mean, we're talking about, we're talking about this is the short part of life here. And the, the rest of life, we're living for something greater than just this. So, yeah, go ahead. In, in, in that light, one of the things that we forget, uh, it gets kind of lost, is that we're more concerned about what other people are saying around us, how I look, how I think, whatever, instead of saying, what, are we, what is he saying? Right. And I think that's a key thing in building that legacy. Right, right, yeah. Whose voice matters most. Yes. Yeah, and we live in a time, I mean, uh, t- times, times change, years change, sin is still sin, God is still God. Um, but we do live in a very image-driven uh, culture right now, and there is a lot about success and how big our house is. And I mean, I think about the house that when I met my wife, and the house that my parents lived in, and the house that her parents lived in, compared to the houses we live in now. Right? I'm like, I'm ready to go back to that smaller house. It's a lot easier to keep clean. <laughs> um, less mo- less lawn to mow. There's a lot, yeah, less lawn to mow. Thank you. So there's the, we're caught in this period of time where that, that is a loud voice. And to get beyond that to go, but his voice is what matters. So, guys, as you look back in your life, considering spiritual legacy, I'm sure that there is a moment in time where like, a, like an awakening took place, like like. Maybe veils came off your eyes, scales came off of your eyes, and all of a sudden one day you realized, holy cow, I'm not going to last forever. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not immortal. I, I'm going to die. I, I've got to start living my life for something greater than just me. I'm sure that that happened at some point. When you think about, uh, you think about the rest of our church, and you speak to young adults and young families, when is it that we should start to really focus in on and care about the spiritual legacy that we're going to leave. When is that? Maybe you can reflect back and go, I know a time when I woke up, or if I could go back and do it over again, I would do it differently. When should we be concerned about living our life for a spiritual legacy? I think back on a moment a number of years ago when I was so wrapped up in doing good things that I neglected the important things. And uh, I was chastised by uh, a couple of people dearly in love in my life about it. But it was an awakening for me that I had to determine priorities. And those priorities were the ones that mattered for eternity, that being the children, or that being my relationship with my wife. And uh, to turn from, quote, doing good things to doing uh, the things that mattered in, in, uh, in, in my legacy. Yeah. Yeah, that, that is a, that's a big, profound statement. Peggy? I think for me, um, 
in my younger years, I, I don't think I, I remember even probably thinking about leaving a spiritual legacy, you know. Uh, I was just trying to get through life. And I think when it finally uh, came to me, probably when I started my family, and I realized what a difference things that I did are making a huge difference in these lives. And so that then that, that caused me to desire to dig in and try to live a more, a better example for them because they're going to be affected. Everyone that you come in contact with is going to be affected by the way that we live our lives. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Pastor, I want to ask you uh, a personal question. Um, you were the pastor of this church for 33, 34 years. Um, people could look at you and say, ah, he's, he's perfect. He's got it all figured out. And, you know, and it's just my secret. You are. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. But how, think with me about this, okay? We were talking earlier in the message about um, sin and how Jesus comes and he obliterates it, but yet we still have a memory, and it's not so easily washed out of our memory, and our sin, our failure, it affects us in massive ways, and it keeps us, in many times, it keeps average people that uh, could be incredible for Christ, it keeps them average because they keep dwelling on the past sin, and they keep looking forward, and they keep, ah, I keep falling on my face, keep falling on my face. How do we how do we overcome or how do we leverage our failures to help us become even more strong in living a life for Christ so that we can leave the legacy? Because none of us are going to be perfect. That's what Romans tells us. So what, what's your thoughts on that? Well, let me just say, first of all, that the sins we commit are relative to us in our own life. To whom much is given, much shall be required. And so what may be something, a failure on my part, is not necessarily going to be on your part or vice versa. And so I've got to take, okay, what is this sin or this wrong, this failure, whatever it is, what am I going to do with it after I failed? And I think that that point of, of uh, that crisis point of what we do with it afterwards is going to be the deal breaker mm. all the way down the line. And I have, to, I have to be able to say, God, the God of the impossible, is able to take my mistake, my sin, whatever it is, whatever it is to you. He is the one who is a specialist yeah. at taking trash and making something good out of it. A broken vessel and making yeah. something good out of it. Right. And by simply acknowledging his greatness, you are now putting value on your sin. It's not a matter of valuing sin. It's a matter of saying, what do I do with that sin? Because people need to see us, need to see me. They need to see, your kids need to watch you. What do you do when you sin? We're yeah. all going to sin. Right. What are you going to do with it? And so when you begin to put value on that mistake, by looking, it helps you look past all of my bad mistakes. Well, God made something good out of it. I showed my, my son or daughter or my friends or whatever what repentance looks like. Yeah, yeah. 
I, I, that's really good because I think all of you could agree that maybe the mentors of our life, some of the things that impacted me the most from my mentors is watching them stumble and fall flat on their face. But it's, it's not that. It was how they got up. Yep. Yep. It's all about how they got up, you know. Um, and I remember this, this pastor one time, uh, that, that he was that kind of spiritual, you know, mentor in my life. And uh, he, he always would kind of talk about it from a, uh, like one of those workout drills in football where you get the up-downs, you know, and you run it in place and then down, up, down, up, right? And the way you bounce back up, he's like, that's the way you got to bounce back up because if you're responding out of repentance, Jesus is going, what are you still laying down there for? We got a mission to do. Let's get out there and make it happen. And Jesus is wanting to re-engage us in living our life in such a spiritual legacy, right? Well, many times we're the ones that kind of like, well, I want to waller my sin and I feel so bad about myself. And get back up and keep running, right? God gets a kick, if you can say it that way, out of fixing us and taking our mistakes and making something good out of them. And if we can see that and believe that, it's going to give us confidence. Yeah, and it kind of, it, uh, it, it erodes away the enemy's lie. Yeah, it does. What about this, guys? Uh, we'll, we'll let we'll give we'll give uh, Bob a break here for a second. When, when when you look at the time in which young adults, young families, let's say for an example, young people like you know fifty years old are um, boys. what boys boys yeah boys. boys yeah thank you Monty thank you that's why you're my friend. Um, when you look at our culture and our society today, what, what is it that you would say, warning, watch out, um, trap, be careful, um, slippery slope, uh, something that you've seen develop in our culture, society today that could be the types of things that trip us up, that we need to know about so we can navigate around them to live this Christ-centered lifestyle, to live out this testimony of faith before God and to leave this spiritual legacy. Is there anything that you guys see that you would just go, man, watch out for this, guys? I think we have to keep our eye on our core values. We're all going to live by certain standards. And so as, as a man, every morning I have to get up and determine today is the day the Lord has given. I'm going to live for him. Now, sometimes it's more active and sometimes it's not as, but it's not absent at all. And if I have a desire to serve God, then I'll find ways to be his servant. Yeah. And so I've got distracted in my life with thinking I needed this, that, or something else. You can name the list. But I think the Holy Spirit has to bring me back to what's important. What, what is significant, I should say, for long term in my life. And that, that, those are those core values. And they're steadfast values. Yeah. Yeah. They don't shift around based upon moral standards of social change. They're still aligned someplace. Right. We have to determine where that line's at. And stay on the right side of that line Man, with the Lord. I, I agree with you 100%. I feel like those types of values these days have become these gray zones instead of these black and white lines of this is, this is Christ-like, this is godly, this is not. 
And uh, that's, a, that's a great word. And uh, we, we all need to, uh, you know, listen to that. And I would just encourage all of you today, what, what is something that once used to be true that's now become gray? Because if it's God speaking it, then it needs to come back to truth. So that's a good one. Peggy, what, what would you add to that, you well, know, I, our I think society and culture? Yeah, that's basically the way the world is today, you know, and it, it just, it seems like, you know, it, it, we just get further and further away from even hearing things about God. The, the world would love us or wants us to believe or tries to deceive us into believing that evil's good and good is evil. And I think we have to be very, very careful. And, and like you said, be, be sure that we're basing what we believe on the Word of God and our, and our core values so that we, we want to study the truth, make sure we know the truth, and then we will recognize that that isn't. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, even like you've got God's Word in your lap right now, um, God's Word will never fail us, right? And God's Word is, is timeless, right? And God's Word still speaks to our life to this day, Right? Bob, let me come back to you really quick. Um, this is the last question, since our time has, you know, kind of found its way to the end. We're, I, as the leader of the church now, which is a very humbling thing to say on this stage with you guys here, um, I'm humbled by the fact that you, you would even allow me to be called your pastor at this, at this season. That's a humbling, very humbling statement. Uh, I recognize that we've made a lot of changes, like any leader would, right? Uh, you made a lot of changes over your years. Um, we've made a lot of changes, but we recognize one thing that's a value of mine, and that is that we, we know that we're building on the shoulders of those who have gone before us. And what I thought might be healthy for all of us, church, and in North Platte and Ogallala as well, would be we've got an opportunity to hear what was the, what's the core of this church, Okay, what, how, how did this church really start? What, what is the heartbeat of this church so that we might be better in our day of leadership of making sure that we build on that and we build a legacy on that? Instead of many times, I think generations want to come in, they want to they get, rid of the, get rid of the past and they just want to do their own thing. And I want to build on the shoulders of, and we're not perfect at that, I get that. And we've missed a lot of things, but if we are going to be builders that build on the shoulders of this church that's gone before us, remind us of what is this church, what's at the heart of this church that's the legacy of this church that we need to never forget. Well, I think if I could make a summary statement about that, because it's kind of like a spider web, it'll kind of go out, sure. is discipleship or spiritual formation in people. Uh, that's a continual process. It's, it's taking an unbeliever, helping them become a believer, and walking it out until they are in the full stature of Christ. That means pretty tall. Yeah. But I think that that is the part that it talks about missions. It talks about and home missions. It talks about a local family. It looks like making disciples or making people whose spiritual life is continually being changed yeah. is what I think, if I could put it all in one statement, I yeah. think that's what it would be. Yeah, and I like that, that that, that person who is ever-changing yeah. all the days of their life into the likeness and the image of Christ, uh, that's who we want to be. 
Yeah. And that's, that's definitely uh, in our heart, and we, we love that. And thank you for reminding us of that. Guys, each of you get a shot at this. I mentioned in the first service, and I still feel like New Life is a hospital for the hurting and a place to grow healthy and grow in the Lord. And that's what we've always been. So if you don't have your life all figured out, this is a good place to come. Come here. Yeah, yeah. I feel like as I look back over the history of our church that one of our core values and the things that we are built on is faithfulness. When the church first started, um, we were just a small group of people. I was not in the first, the first time, but as when I joined the church, I saw this faithful group of people that were willing to stand upon their faith and step out and do what God was asking us to do. And um, we... I think there's only been a few leaders that pa that uh, the Lord has has allowed to to pastor this church, and each time they have been faithful leaders who have led us into following Christ, and I think that is one of the things that we can continue to build upon is to follow Christ, and then we will be okay. And I remember not too many years ago when Pastor Wine, it was on a Sunday morning, and he had a baton, and he passed that baton to Pastor Jeff, and I thought it was a beautiful picture of passing on that inheritance, and Pastor Jeff took that baton, and he's running with it, and I want you to know how much we appreciate that. Thank you. Amen. You, you made me cry in the first service and the second service. What in the world? <laughs> Holy cow. Well, guys, we've got, uh, we've got big shoes to fill. But uh, the beauty of it is not only did we get a chance to try to fill these shoes, but there's footsteps ahead of us. And um, we're, gonna, we're just going to try to keep walking in that way. Um, like, you have left a spiritual legacy. Uh, I, I want all of you one day to be with me as some other young, crazy leader who thinks that they got it all figured out is leading the church, and they want, they want to hear from those, right, who have faithfully lived their life. You know what I would love to have? I would love to be sitting on this stage with, with you. And I think that that's possible. But it's going to require us to come back to the heart of Daniel and be a people that are devoted, that we're all in, we're not going to let culture and society shift us and change us. That we're not going to drift into the gray zones. That we're going to stay true and passionate for our God and be willing to live a life for him like you guys have and like Daniel has where it's like, look, my life is not my own. It's been purchased and bought with a price. It's the price of Christ. And God, it's in your hands and I surrender it to you. Um, and that's what we love about you guys. That's what I love personally about you guys. Well, you've been faithful, uh, you keep serving, you're still active. Here's Daniel at 80 or 85 years old. He's getting called back into the game, and he does it with the same passion that he did when he was 30 years old. It looks different, right? But he does it with the same passion, and we're going to find out next week that he continues to serve. That's what I want for your life. I want faithful service for your life. And so, guys, look, can we just thank these guys for, for being here with us today? Thank you, guys. Why don't you stand with me? Stand with me. Let's, 
Let's do something today together. Let's go back to Acts chapter 3, verse 19, where it says this. Look, Christ is the one who wants to obliterate your sin, but we have to repent and then we have to turn to God. I want us to do that today because that's where legacy starts. True heart of repentance and then not forgetting, turning to God, meaning pressing into God because what did verse 20 tell us? That's when the refreshing comes. <laughs> That's when the refreshing comes. Why? Because you're in the presence of God. Guys, we'll never leave a spiritual legacy like my friends that were up here if we don't figure out what it means to spend time in the presence of God. So for the next two songs and a wrap-up, I want you, I want you to take all of the past, throw it away. I want you to take all of the hesitation of, you know, I don't even know if I can live that kind of a lifestyle to be a guy or a woman like that on that stage. I want you to throw all of those, those excuses and lies from the enemy away. And I want you to press into Jesus for these next few minutes and let the presence of the Holy Spirit invade your space. And as he does, I guarantee you, he will be speaking to you. And as he speaks to you, repent, turn close to him. He's wanting to obliterate everything of your past to empower you to live a spiritual legacy. Let me pray for you. Father, I just stop right now and I pray over this congregation. I pray over those at our campuses and those who are at their homes right now, those who are worshiping with us online. I just pray right now in Jesus' name that the lies of the past will be broken. That this lie that it's impossible to have a testimony like what I just saw, it's only for the few. No, it's for the all that find Christ. It's for all who have surrendered their lives to Jesus Christ. Lord, you want to empower this generation to be like Daniel's in this time, to rise up and to thrive in the relationship with Christ so that the world might know you. We live in a chaotic, crazy world right now. Lord, we need to dive in deep, go all in, press into you, and start, start living our lives for the legacy that we can leave for Christ. So Lord, penetrate our hearts today. Because it's really going to be out of our hearts that people will know who we are. May you fill our hearts with the power and the presence of Jesus Christ. May we turn to you and be close to you and be refreshed today. In Jesus' powerful name, and everybody that agrees with me says, amen. amen.